Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy, GD. In this episode, I'll be doing my NBA postseason awards, predictions, and also I'll be breaking down the WNBA draft and talking a little bit about that and all the players, those returning, and everything else. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so I'm back once again, your boy GD, with the All Things Basketball Podcast, with yours truly, and I'm going to get into the NBA Postseason Awards, but first, actually, I want to talk about the WNBA first, because there was a draft last week, and players from different colleges and so forth they were drafted and of course Aaliyah Boston being the number one overall pick so but we'll break down the whole draft we'll talk about the teens as well the returning players and so forth and kind of go around the league so let us begin so we had to draft, like I said, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to go alphabetically through each team. So let's do it that way. We start off with the Atlanta Dream. The Atlanta Dream drafted Haley Jones, the point guard actually, out of Stanford. She was the sixth pick overall. Then they followed that up with Leticia Amahir, the power forward from South Carolina. And then you had Leah Brown out of Michigan. She was drafted shooting guard. So Haley Jones, I've always liked her game. She's a facilitator, guys. She's able to do a number of things and do it pretty well. I think she is the probably the most fundamentally sound player in this draft. I think on the next level, she'll be able to facilitate for the dream and she'll be playing with the likes of Ryan Howard the rookie sensation from last year along with Daniel Robinson Cheyenne Parker and they traded for Alicia Gray as well so Haley Jones I think she'll come in right away she'll get to work I think she'll she'll come in as a starter I see her really making an impact on this team. Uh, I really like the choice for Atlanta. I was surprised she went all the way down to six, but they're getting a solid player, guys. Leticia, I think we don't know all of what she can do on the next level. I think she has pretty big potential. So I know Tanisha Wright, the coach there, she'll be able to tap into that so I see her doing big things at the next level so where she fits in could be a starter could be coming off the bench but I'll be interested to see what she does at the next level so I think the Atlanta Dream did pretty good for themselves so I think they're a team on the rise as well moving on to the Chicago Sky they didn't have a first round pick they picked late in the second round they got Kiana Trailer 
uh, shooting guard out of Vatek, and then Ksenia Malashka, and they got her out of Middle Tennessee. So, a couple of low picks there. Probably be bench players, obviously. You have returning players like, and mind you, James Wade, he's going to have to do some major rebuilding on the fly here because he's lost the likes of Candace Parker, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, and a number of players there moved on. So, But Kalia Copper, I think this is going to be her team now. Now the spotlight's going to be on her. She was an all-star last year. I think it'll be interesting to see with her being the major star there. They did trade for Marina Marbury. Got her from Dallas, the guard there. So, so at least Copper has some support there. Courtney Williams, they got via free agency. Point guard there. And Rebecca Gardner, they have as well. So, again, James Wade, he'll be rebuilding that squad. So, be interested to see if he could keep them competitive this year. So... Moving on, we'll talk about the Connecticut Sun. They had two draft picks, Alexis Morris, a.k.a. Lex Luthor, coming out of LSU. And, of course, they won the NCAA championship. She went in late in the second round, guys. That, to me, was a stunner. She was the 22nd pick. I thought she would go higher, at least higher in the second round. And then also... Ashton Pritchtel, the center out of Stanford. She's the backup center to Cameron Brink out there with the Stanford Cardinals. So she was drafted as well. And of course, the Connecticut Sun, they dealt their MVP, John Quell Jones, to the New York Liberty. But they still have Alyssa Thomas, their Swiss Army knife. Also, Dewana Bonner still there. They re-signed Brianna Jones. They also, in the trade for John Quell, they got back Rebecca Allen, also Tiffany Hayes. They got via the trade route also. But let me talk about Alexis Morris. She has such a phenomenal story, guys, as far as her collegiate career is concerned. I think she's going to be a fighter, guys. I think she's definitely be able to crack this lineup. I'll be interested to see what she does on the next level, but... She's as tough as nails, guys, and she's a baller. So I'll be very interested to see whether she can crack. I know she'll definitely come off the bench as far as starter. Yeah, maybe it's possible. I don't count her out in that regard. So I think she can contribute to this team. And it'll be interesting to see what this team does now because their coach moved on to Greener Pastures, Kurt Miller. He moved on to the Los Angeles Sparks. So now you have a Stephanie White coaching them. So it'll be interesting to see the new changes up there in Connecticut. But I like the Morris pick for them. That's for sure. So let's move on to the Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings, they really loaded up, guys. Mind you, they had like three straight draft picks within the top five. So let's talk about that. Maddie Segris, the power forward out of Villanova, a scoring machine, she was picked third. Stephanie Sorez, the center out of Iowa State, she was picked fourth, although she was traded, guys. She got traded to Washington, so. And then Lou Lopez Senechal, the shooting guard coming out of UConn. 
she was the fifth pick and then later in the first round they were able to pick up abby myers they drafted her the shooting guard out of maryland at pick number 11 then they went on to draft ashley jones small forward out of iowa state and Paige robinson as well they were able to draft so so a lot of draft picks there, guys. But Maddie Segris, I see her making an impact right away. I see her being able to score on the next level. What she brings as far as the forward position, I'll be interested to see that. And the returning players for Dallas, Arika Agumbawale, their all-star guard. She'll be back as well as Tiara McCowan, their center. Actually, they re-signed her also. And then you have Natasha Howard, who they got via the trade route. Diamond the Shields, also they got via the trade. So I see Maddie fitting right in into that starting lineup there. As far as Seneschal, she'll probably be a bench player for them, but she could have an impact as well. Keep an eye out for Abby Myers and Ashley Jones as well. I think those are a couple of players, too, who can add to this roster as well. So... Dallas, I'll be interested to see what they do. They had a pretty good year last year. We'll see what happens now. Dallas, another team that could be on the rise. Let's move on to the Indiana Fever. They had the first pick in the draft, Aaliyah Boston, of course, coming out of South Carolina, the power forward slash center. They also went local with their next pick, guys. The seventh pick they used on Grace Berger out of Indiana, the University of Indiana. So, local product there. Taylor Mikesell, the shooting guard out of Iowa State. They picked her in the second round. LaDasia Williams, they picked her 17th. She was the power forward for Kim Mulkey's LSU Lady Tigers. And then late in the draft, they got Victoria Saxon, actually Aaliyah Boston's teammate out of South Carolina as well. So, And then remember last year, guys, the Indiana Fever had the big draft in. They drafted Nalissa Smith, also Amy Exler, Queen Egbo, Destiny Henderson, also out of South Carolina, uh, Lexi Hall, so their veteran Kelsey Mitchell. So another big draft for the Fever. Aaliyah Boston, needless to say, I think she'll have an impact right away. I think she'll definitely be able to come in and be a double-double machine. I think, you know, while playing for Dawn Staley at South Carolina, there were some things that Dawn didn't allow her to do, but she told her she can get that done at the next level. So I definitely see her starting next to a Nalissa Smith. Definitely starting next to her. And you still have Queen Egbo as well. So a lot of talent there, guys, as far as your bigs. So definitely I see Aaliyah Boston coming in there, making that impact. Grace Berger, I'll be interested to see how she fits into this. You still have a Destiny Henderson who kind of came on as the season progressed. So it's going to be a battle there. And then Mike Sell, we'll see what she brings to the table. LaDasia Williams is a pick that I really like for them. But my worry is she might get caught up in the numbers game there. Because they got a lot of bigs there. And LaDasia Williams... She'll be a powerful at the next level, that's for sure. So, I don't know. You would think she'll make the roster. I would think she would. 
So, see, that's the whole thing with the WNBA, too. But I'll talk about that in a little while. So, wherever she ends up, I think she makes an impact. Especially from what I saw of her at LSU. So, I'll just leave it right there. So, but Indiana still in a rebuilding stage. So, we'll see what happens. They have a new coach in Christie's sides. So, we'll see how she's able to develop those young players over there now let's talk about the las vegas aces the defending world champs of the wnba didn't make too many moves they only had one draft choice and that was at the very end of the draft Brittany davis shooting guard out of alabama but this team is loaded for bear guys you got asia wilson your mvp kelsey plum chelsea gray there all-world point guard Jackie Young as well you added a Candace Parker which is a tremendous pickup and then also you were able to add a Alyssa Clark a veteran a heady player who will definitely add to this roster so Becky Hammond she's she's got it all under control over there so I expect more greatness coming out of Las Vegas so not so much of a draft impact, but you got the veterans over there, so it is what it is. So, anyhow, so let's move on. The Los Angeles Sparks, like I said, they have a new coach in Kurt Miller, so we'll see what he brings. He had a winning program over there in Connecticut, so he looks to bring more of the same over to L.A. In the draft, he was able to get... Zaya Cook with the 10th pick in the draft. The shooting guard out of South Carolina. Also, Shanique Swain got her in the second round. Shooting guard out of Australia, actually. So, whether she comes over to the States or not, we'll see. And then, in the actually early in the third round, they were able to snag Monica Sinanu, the center out of Iowa. We'll see how she fits into the mix there. She is like your traditional big. Doesn't really get a lot of movement inside. Definitely good on putbacks. And she's not going to give you a bunch of dribbles down there in the paint. She's a catch and shoot close to the basket sort of player. So, Returning, of course, is the Awumake sisters, Neka and Shanae. So they'll be back as well as Jordan Canada. Their point guard. They were able to get Dierica Hamby. Actually from the Las Vegas Aces. Got her in a tr- bit of a controversial trade. And also via the trade route. Jasmine Thomas. And as a free agent. They signed Azura Stevens as well. So Sparks looking to be on the upswing. I think Zaya Cook. I'll be interested to see what she brings to this team. Especially... There is a need there for some solid shooting guard play, and she provides that. So I'll be interested to see how she looks next to a Jordan Canada. I like the fit for her in L.A., so I expect her to you know, bring her A game to that Sparks team. And the Sparks team is going to be interesting, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on to the Minnesota Lynx with veteran coach Cheryl Reeve. They were able to get in the draft the number two choice, Diamond Miller, the shooting guard out of Maryland. Also, Maya Hirsch, 
actually coming out of France. They got her. Also, Dorka Juhas, the center from UConn. They got her in the second round of the draft. Also in the second round of that draft, Bria Beal, shooting guard out of South Carolina as well. She could also play the forward position. And then Taylor Soul, they got her coming out of Virginia Tech, uh, small forward. So, Minnesota now in the post-Sylvia Fowles era. So, we'll see what happens with them. Returning it is Nafisha Collier, also Ariel Powers, Kayla McBride, and via trade you have Kiana Williams as well. So, Diamond Milda, I expect her to shine at the next level. What she was able to bring to that Maryland program, just steady scoring. She could play both ends of the court, so I'm expecting all-star level play from her. As far as Maya Hirsch, could be a situation where she stays overseas. We'll see what happens there. Dorka, I like as your center coming in because uh, you don't know the situation with Maya Hirsch yet. So I think she could man the center position at the next level. Bria Beal, I like that pick as well. She's going to get in there and she's going to be feisty. She's going to make her way into this roster, that's for sure. And I think she can contribute at the next level. She's another tough player that I think you didn't see all of what she could bring while she was at South Carolina. So I'd be definitely interested to see what she does next level. So Minnesota is in an interesting state right now. So we'll see what happens with them. Then we move on to the New York Liberty. They too only had one pick in this draft. Kako Adika, a small forward out of USC. More likely than not, she'll be glued to the bench there. Remember, the Liberty had a big offseason. Seems like Sandy Brondello, she's going for it, guys. They signed as a free agent, Brianna Stewart. And remember, I mentioned the trade of John Quell Jones coming to the Liberty. Also, they signed Courtney Vandersloot coming out of Chicago. You already had Sabrina Anescu, Menagia Laney as well. You have her there. Stephanie Dolson, your center that you picked up last year. And Marinas Johannes also you have there as well. So, the Liberty loaded for bear, guys. And... I'll be interested to see how all those pieces mesh together. All eyes are on Brondello. She got to bring it all together, guys. So, it should be interesting times over there at the Barclays Center. Then we'll move on to Phoenix Mercury. They had a few low draft picks as well. They didn't pick until late in the second round. Destiny Harton, a shooting guard out of University of Miami. And then KD Sissoko. Power forward out of USC. So, but returning guys, Brittany Griner, they have her back now. So she's back safe and sound, and she's already preparing for this season coming ahead. Also, you have Diana Tarasi. I would imagine this is her last go round. Also, Skylar Diggins Smith, you're going to have her back. You re Sophie Cunningham, and also Brianna Turner as well so 
The big question for Coach Vanessa Nygaard is incorporating Brittany Griner back into playing in the WNBA. You know, she went through the horroring ordeal over there in Russia. So I'll be interested to see how she handles Griner this coming season. And it'll be all love for Griner at home. It's on the road where I'd be curious to see how fans treat her when she has to play in these different arenas. So, But Phoenix, interesting team as well, you know, with Griner coming back to them. So Destiny Harden, she could definitely make this roster, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens there. Two more teams, guys, I'll talk about. And then I want to talk a little bit about the WNBA itself. So. The 11th team I'll talk about is the Seattle Storm. Noelle Quinn, the coach, she's now in the post-Sue Bird era. Sue Bird has retired, so it'll be interesting to see how things go in Seattle. Also, they lost Brianna Stewart because she moved on to the Liberty, so things will be a bit different there in Seattle. In the draft, though, they were able to get the number 9 pick, Jordan Horston. The shooting guard out of the University of Tennessee. Also, they were able to get in the second round. Maddie Williams, small forward out of Oklahoma. Dooley Foncom, Dodney, power forward out of Southern Florida. And also, Jay Oville, small forward out of Arizona. So, And returning is Jewel Lloyd, their all-star guard. As well as Tina Charles, looks like she'll be back. All intents purposes, as he Magberger, uh, also Gabby Williams, Sammy Whitcomb, and also Kia Nurse as well. So Jordan Hurston, I think they'll probably bring her along slowly, but she's a player who can do many things as well. I think she's going to be a solid contributor to this Seattle Storm team. Maddie Williams, I'll be interested to see how she fits into all this as well. But Seattle, again, in a new stage now with Sue Bird retired. So we'll see what happens there. And then the last team, the Washington Mystics, Mike Tibault. He left from the sideline and he's gone up to the front office. So his son, Eric, is now taking over the coaching ranks. So I don't expect much of a change in philosophy there. So we'll see what happens. In the draft, they were able to get Elena Tisnecki, shooting guard out of Southern Florida. Also, Texel Alacon, a shooting guard out of Spain. So we'll see if she's able to come across the waters over to the U.S. to play in the WNBA. We'll see what happens there. Returning for them, Elena Deladon, she's was able to have a normal offseason, so we'll see what happens there. She looks like she's all the way back from that injury, guys, so looks like she's back to her normal self. Also, you have Natasha Cloud as well. They're all world guard there. And then you have the second-year player, Shakira Austin, who I thought played very well last year. Their center, Brittany Sky, they got via free agency. And then, of course, Ariel Atkins as well. So, Washington Mystics, I think they'll be a solid team once again. How they fare against the super teams that's been formed in the offseason. Uh, 
that'll be of interest as well. But Washington will be a team to be reckoned with as usual. So with that said, that's the WNBA draft, guys. I did have a bit of a commentary for the commissioner of the WNBA, Kathy Engelbert. I did have a bit of commentary there. I think it's high time for the WNBA to, first of all, expand to at least two more teams. I think it's time because some of these players are just caught up in the numbers game. You have 12 teams, which means 12 players on a roster, so you're talking 144 players. That's not a lot of players, guys. So I think another two rosters will give you another 24 players that can show what they can do at the next level. So a few cities I think that Engelbert should consider is Houston. You had success there before with the comments. That'd be a great story there. Also, Philly is another place to consider. Memphis, I think that could be a place you could tap into. Sacramento, you had success there before with the Monarchs. So that wouldn't be a bad option either. Charlotte is another place where you had a team there in the sting. So I think you can draw some fans there. And Seattle, that'd be nice to get a team in Seattle. This way you kind of gear up just in case the NBA itself expands to maybe a 32-team league. And you'll have a Seattle squad back in the NBA. So that's kind of a shot in the dark, but... I think that's one thing she should consider. And the second thing is, guys, I like the WNBA. I watched in the beginning. That was for sure. Kind of fell away from it. You know, life and everything else got in the way. Since I started the podcast, I've kind of got back into it. So I enjoyed last season. I enjoyed seeing Agent Wilson get our first WNBA title. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the success that Becky Hammond had as well. So I'm liking what I'm seeing happening with the New York Liberty. So much so I think I'll be attending some games there. So and I think it's going the league is going in the right direction. But Kathy Engelberg, what I think you should do, I think you should ride this wave of the success that the college women's basketball game has had think you need to piggyback off of that even if you have to advertise the current winners of the championship like you market a Alexis Morris Deja Williams since they were two players who got drafted from that championship squad there you definitely market a Leah Boston Zaya Cook Letitia Amahir and also Bria Beal Definitely market those young ladies as well. And yeah, I think you need to ride that wave as far as the success of college and ride that with the WNBA. And also to your TV deals. I think you need a definitive package, whether it be with ESPN. Mind you, ESPN has the main network. They have ESPN2, ESPN News so forth i think they even have a espn3 so if you got a tv package with them fine just make the games available and clear to the consumer where they can find the games also the 
NBA TV channel. Uh, once upon a time, they used to show WNBA games on the regular. I mean, it's the summertime. Well, how, how many times are you going to show reruns of uh, the Chicago Bulls, the Lakers, Boston? I mean, you got 24 hours of programming there. You can't squeeze some WNBA games in there somewhere. I'm just saying. Yeah, so I think making the games available, whether it be on the TV, streaming. I know a couple of games popped on the Amazon app. Yeah, so you need to ride this wave. And even the draft you had just now, it was the most watched draft in your history. So you need to take advantage of this. So I'm just saying. Yeah, so. All right, so that is my take on the WNBA let me get into these postseason awards right quick we already had an award given out the defensive player of the year going to Jaron Jackson Jr. and rightfully so he led the league in blocks and he was proficient in steals as well so definitely well deserved others that was in the running were Brooke Lopez for the Milwaukee Bucks and Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, here's my predictions as far as the other awards. I think Rookie of the Year is pretty much a no-brainer. Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic. I think he's the clear winner there. My honorable mentions would be Keegan Murray, who, who set a rookie record for threes made for the Sacramento Kings. I think he's on the low. He's had a very good year, and he's one of the few rookies that are still standing, still playing, so and making an impact. So uh, definitely Keegan Murray and Jalen Williams out of OKC. He had a fine year as well. There's others too. Ben Mafferin out of Indiana with the Indiana Pacers. He's the number one who had a pretty good year also. Yeah, but I think it's Paolo Boncaro's award to lose. So Then we have Coach of the Year. I think that one, too, is a no-brainer. I think it's Mike Brown, the Sacramento Kings coach. What he's done, having them the third seed in the West. Nobody could have predicted that. So to me, he's like the clear-cut winner. I would imagine Joe Mazzula gets some votes as well, the Boston Celtics coach, and what he's done with that team to keep them up there still with the absence of M.A. Aduka. So Joe Mazzula definitely deserves some consideration. I know people talk about Jock Vaughn of the Brooklyn Nets and the mess he had to deal with and still having this team in the playoffs. But here's a coach I don't think really gets talked about. But I think he deserves a ton of credit for what's happened this year. And that's the Memphis Grizzlies coach, Taylor Jenkins. Think about this, guys. He started the year, Jaron Jackson, remember, Jaron Jackson Jr., he didn't start playing until about a month or so into the season. So you had that. Then you had the John Morant incident where he was lost for eight games, as well as games where he missed outside of that. Also, he's playing without his center, Steven Adams, who he lost back in February. Also, he lost Brandon Clark for the year as well with a torn ACL. And for all of that to happen, he still had his team 
about a game or two out of first place in the West, that's one heck of a job there. You got to give the man his credit. So Taylor Jenkins, I think, deserves some consideration. But again, Mike Brown will get it in pretty much a landslide. So let's move on to most improved player. This is one that can go a number of ways, guys. You have the favorite, Laurie Markkinen out of Utah with the Utah Jazz. He's one player that seems like the odds on favorite. I say, hold up, wait a minute. What about Shy Gilkis Alexander, whose numbers were solid across the board? He averaged over 30 points per game. He carried his squad as best as he could throughout the year. I think he deserves a lot of credit for most improved player. And then, of course, you have Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks. And what he's done and what he's brought to that franchise. Averaging 24-6. and six, Propelling the Knicks into the fifth seed in the East. Where no one, guys, everyone had them in the play-in game, guys. But Jalen Brunson has rose and shown. So you can make an argument for him. Definitely. So I could go either way with any of these three. I think the more deserving person is probably... Shy Gilkis Alexander because he was actually able to be healthy pretty much the whole year. So I would give it to him. Jalen Brunson second. And then Laurie Markkinen third. So I say third because he got jerked in and out of the lineup. I know he was pretty much present the first half of the season. But they kept jerking him in and out of the lineup after the All-Star break. And I think availability has to count. That's why I lean towards Shai Gilkis Alexander. At least I do. So Then you have Executive of the Year. This is one there you could go a lot of different directions, guys. It seems like the odds on favorite is Colby Altman, the GM out of Cleveland with the Cavaliers. He was able to pull off the Donovan Mitchell trade. Also... Well, that's pretty much it, guys. <laughs> he pulled off that one trade, and everybody's made him the odds-on favorite. I get it. I understand they did win the 51 games. I grant you that. I don't know if he's such the runaway everybody makes him out to be, but... And here's a couple other executives to consider. Rob Palenka for the Los Angeles Lakers. They were dead in the water, guys. At one point, they were 2-10 and 10 on the year. LeBron was missing for a good towards the end with that injury. He had his foot injury. Then you had Anthony Davis with, of course, a myriad of injuries who was in and out of the lineup. But he was there when LeBron was not, and his availability really helped the Lakers. But also, remember, all those draft deadline deals that Palenka made, bringing in a D'Angelo Russell, uh, Malik Beasley, Jarrett Vanderbilt. Also, he brought in Mo Bamba. So, also, he got back a uh, Dennis Schroeder as well. He was able to bring him back. So, Rob Palenka, I think, deserves a lot of consideration as well when it comes to executive year. And then a name I don't even hear called, but he's done a great job with two deals. And that's Leon Rose of the New York Knicks. His signing of Jalen Brunson, where a lot of people said they were overpaying for him. A lot of detractors. And it looks like Jalen's proved them wrong. But 
Leon Rose had the confidence to do such a deal. And then their trade deadline deal that brought in Josh Hart, which I feel kind of turned their season around. And he's been such a asset for that team, especially down the stretch. So, Leon Rose, why, why are we not considering him? And also, oh, by the way, Isaiah Hartenstein, who's played all 82 games and has been a solid contributor, whether it's coming in to start for Mitchell Robinson or coming off the bench with that bench mob that the Knicks have. He's been solid the whole year, so especially down the stretch. So Leon Rose needs to get some love too, as far as the executive of the year goes. So that's my take on it. So I could go either way with any of these three guys. Definitely, that's for sure. So, and then you have six man of the year. Looks like it's a three-headed race. Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks. Malcolm Brogdon of the Boston Celtics and Bobby Portis for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's more so two-headed between Quickly and Brogdon. But here's what the people who are campaigning for Brogdon brings up. He had more games off the bench than Quickly. And that Quickly supposedly did most of his damage as a starter as opposed to a six-man. But we've had six men in the past who's won the awards, who's had to place starter minutes, had to start in place of players because of injuries or whatever. So why are we moving the goalposts when a Nick is involved and just ignoring the... There's no mandate to say, of course you have to have a number of games as a bench player. I get that, but when opportunity comes where he has to start... He has to start, and that's the way it is. But he's still considered a bench player. So, why this sudden move of the goalposts, I don't understand. So, to me, quickly, it's my favorite for the sixth man of the year. But, again, you're going to have these guys say, Oh, Brogdon came off the bench more than quickly. So, I say quickly, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets robbed and... Brockton ends up winning so that's the way that goes and then of course we have last but not least your MVP it's between three players Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers Nikolai Jokic the Denver Nuggets and Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks I told you in a few episodes ago before the playoff previews I gave you their all the numbers all that they did how Nikolai Jokic two-time MVP who nearly averaged a triple-double he came 0.2 assists shy of that his team was number one in the West I grant you that Joel Embiid's just been a beast man he led the league in scoring again. Without Joel Embiid in that lineup, that team goes nowhere. So, I think he was dominant throughout the year. I think... I would give it to Embiid. I would give it to Embiid. But again, if Joker won it, I wouldn't be too shocked. I'd be shocked if Giannis gets it above any of these guys. It seemed like Giannis missed a lot more games this year. So, 
Yeah, so again, I'm one for availability. And you got to give Embiid his props. He was very available this year. So uh, I'm giving it to Embiid. So, all right, guys. So that's my prediction as far as the postseason awards go. And there's another award, Best Clutch Player. And I know that that's going to be a runaway. It'll be De'Aaron Fox. He has all the numbers that points to that. So, anyway, so that's it for me, guys. I guess you'll hear from me once the first round is done of the playoffs. So, once again, I thank you for listening. You know where to find me, all things basketball with GD.com. Also on YouTube, all things basketball GD, the podcast platforms, and so forth. So, uh, leave a review, guys, on my website. Leave a review there. Click the like button on YouTube, or and you can make a comment as well. All right, I'm done. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. So, my peeps, if you like what you're listening to, you can go to my website, www.allthingsbasketballwithgd.com. You can also email me at thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. To support this podcast, you can go to my PayPal, and that email is thatsportsdugd at gmail.com. Also on my Anchor page, I have a support button there that you can also use to help the podcast. I'm on all the major platforms like Anchor, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon, SoundCloud, YouTube, CastBox, Radio Public, Podchaser, just to name a few. And also you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, and Fanbase. So once again, I thank you for listening and supporting this podcast and take care and be safe.